All right. Welcome to our second round of workshops. Um, the first one went well, and they asked me back. <laughs> so, uh, so, so here we are. Um, I almost said welcome to Mind Games, but that was last season. Um, welcome to I to Us. And the whole, um, the whole goal of this is shifting our mindset from just thinking about ourselves to thinking about other people. And I got some emails of people asking me, is this just about like romantic relationships? And it can be, but that's not all that it, that it will pertain to. Um, my goal is over the course of the next eight weeks that you will be equipped with information uh, to be able to help you in both your romantic and in your platonic uh, relationships. And so, again, Ida us thinking for everyone. And, and in my couples counseling, I tell my, my couples all the time uh, that you can't just think for yourself anymore. You have to think for you as a unit, right? It's not only I anymore, it's us. It's not only me anymore, it's we, right? And thinking for the collective unit. But that doesn't just apply to just couples. Uh, that applies to families. That applies to coworkers. That applies to neighbors. That applies to, and I plan to make you guys some relationship powerhouses by the time uh, that we are done with this. Um, I pride myself on being a relationship specialist, um, and so I'm super pumped about being able to do this. So why don't we go ahead um, and pray, ask God for his help, and then we're going to go ahead and jump in. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son for the finished work on the cross. Thank you for uh, the privilege it is to have this workshop um, and to be able uh, to share uh, this information that can help all of us be better uh, people for everyone um, in our lives. And so God, we're gonna thank you in advance for all the great things that you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know me, I'm Xavier Small, the counseling pastor here at Rosedale. I'm a licensed therapist um, and I also get to uh, work here in the church setting as well. Um, I'm excited about the, the kind of work I get to do. I get to work for, with everything from adjustment disorder all the way to all the chronic disorders like schizophrenia, schizoaffective, all of those different stuff. And so lots of fun, but relationships are my favorite. So when I got approached and they were like, hey, would you do a workshop on relationships? I was like, yes, my favorite. Um, so uh, here we are. Um, you're going to see me do something a little bit differently. You're going to notice, number one, that I am not going to give you the lineup for the, for the, for the series. So if you want to know what we're going to get ourselves, what you're going to get into, you're going to just have to come, right? You're going to just have to come. Um, so that's that. Um, but secondly, I'm going to break up each workshop into uh, the multiple hats that I wear, right? So you'll see me approach it first with my pastor hat, and then I'm going to approach it after that with my therapist hat. And then after we're done, we're going to do a Q&A uh, like we did in all the other ones. And so hopefully uh, this will be... Um, a blessing to you. So again, welcome to I to Us, and I hope that it's going to be a great time uh, for you. So let's go ahead and jump into this. All right, I want to start again uh, with talking about what the Bible says and then follow that up with giving some practical uh, elements um, from a therapy perspective. All right, so the pastor hat. If you're taking notes, uh, number one, jumping right into it, slow down. Slow down. If you want to be better, in your communication efforts, you got to slow down. What do I mean? James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. You have to slow down. And so some components surrounding this is first that everyone should adopt this. Everyone should adopt this. You saw the passage, let every man, let every man be swift to hear right? Slow to speak, 
slow to wrath. And it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that was, that was given as a suggestion. It was given as a command. Let everyone. So if you're the person who's prone to speak first and then listen, well, then you're already in a direct antithesis to this command. The, the goal is for us to be able to slow down, all right? Purpose to listen first. Purpose to listen first. You guys have heard me say it if you're returning, um, that roughly 75% of conflict is a misunderstanding, right? And roughly 75% of that is coming from miscommunication, right? So most conflicts aren't that, oh, and we're going to spend more time talking about conflicts in a, a later session, uh, but most of this isn't that someone's being downright nasty or rude or trying to hurt you on purpose. Um, I, a lot of times it boils down to we, mis we misunderstood each other. I, I didn't hear you right, or I heard you with my own, uh, through my own lens, all right, or, or, or I, 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 I didn't give you the benefit of the doubt or, or whatever it may be, but it's almost like when you're in class and the teacher, someone raises their hand and the teacher says, put your hand down, wait till the end because what? I might answer your question, right? So sometimes someone will give you the information that you need in order to make a, a conscious choice or decision or approach to something if you would just listen first. Purpose to speak second. Purpose to speak second. The problem with us as people sometimes is we talk too much. We talk too much, right? We have so much to say sometimes, and instead of just being able to say, you know what, let me take a second to just be humble and just take a step back and let the person explain to me or inquire, but we can be so rash and so, uh, and so uh, impulsive on it. And you guys know, my, my, you guys know one of, well, I guess one of my, somebody coined it Xaviorisms, right? Is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's a lie, right? Because bones will heal, but words, some people take with them to their grave, right? You got to be careful with your words. And how many times have you jumped the gun and said something to someone and had to go back around and say, I'm sorry? And that's why it's important for us to listen first, speak second. Purpose to be angry as a last resort. Purpose to be angry as a last resort. We're looking at that passage, and it says, let every man be, uh, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to get angry. And I, think, and I believe the reason why that came last is because I believe that when you get through the first two components of the trilogy, that you will have the clarity needed to not have to respond in anger. Now, asterisk. Sometimes somebody can, can communicate clearly to you, and it's still the result of what they did still communicate anger. Do you hear me in that? that it's not, I'm not saying don't be angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Anger is not a sin, right? So I want to make that clear. There are going to be moments where it's important for you to get angry, right? But the reason why I believe that it's last is that anger is a what kind of emotion? Who remembers? It's a what? Mm -mm. Secondary. Who said it? 10 points to Gryffindor, right? <laughs> it's a secondary emotion, which means that not all the time, but more times than not, there is an emotion that precedes it that is causing the anger. So anger, by definition, is, is an emotion that shows up when a goal is impeded. 
right? And so, Brother James right here, if I'm trying to communicate to you and I'm talking to you and I feel like I'm not getting through to you, you might see me start to get a little elevated, right? My, my, my temperature goes up, my, my inflection goes up, my rate gets faster, I start to have more aggression in my tone, and it's not so much that I'm just angry, as maybe I'm frustrated because I can't communicate or it's not being received well, right? So sometimes you'll find out, especially as we approach it from a, a cognitive behavioral therapy lens, you'll find out that at the root of a lot of maladaptive or improper thoughts and improper behaviors are feelings of hopelessness, feelings of worthlessness, feeling of being misunderstood, feelings of frustration, feelings of, of being irritated, right? And that's when the anger comes. But I think overwhelmingly, if we adopt the philosophy that I'll listen first, I'm going to listen, I'm gonna, I want to hear what they're saying, and then respond that what should happen is that we'll find that our times of getting angry significantly di diminish, right? It doesn't say don't be angry, it says be slow to be angry. Because you may not have to get angry if you heard the entire scenario, if you heard the whole thing, all right? So number one, and the pastor's hat, slow down. Number two, develop a philosophy to fight fire with kindness. Develop a philosophy to fight fire with kindness. The, word, the verse that we're going to look at is going to be Proverbs 15.1, which says this, A soft answer turneth away wrath. A soft answer turneth away wrath. While you guys are, are writing that in, um, there was a time when I was an intern in Indiana in 2013. And I had an, I had a, an intern partner who honestly was the golden kid. They loved him. They loved him. Um, and he just was like the favorite. That's just how it was. And can you believe I wasn't the favorite, right? He wasn't, he was the favorite. And uh, not only was he the favorite, but I found myself getting in disciplinary situations often. Like I lost my, uh, like part of our responsibilities were to preach and to lead worship. And so I lost my worship leading abilities. Um, there was one point where I lost my teaching um, abilities. And I was like, what is going on that I'm getting, I, I never get in trouble and I'm losing all of these different things. And I started to get so angry at him. Now, mind you, he didn't do anything wrong. But I was angry. I was angry because I was in a place where I was constantly getting in trouble, constantly getting these things revoked from me while he was constantly being elevated and I treated him bad. I would, whenever we'd go out and go soul winning, I'd leave him behind on purpose. <laughs> right? I would just like, I was just doing a bunch of passive aggressive stuff. And one day I was sitting there studying for a lesson. I'm not sure how because my spirit was awful. Right? And he sat, and he sat down my favorite smoothie in front of me a brand new Schofield Bible and two iTunes gift cards. And it broke my heart in half. And I said, I am so sorry. And he said, you were already forgiven. He had every right to retaliate. He had every right to go to our, the lead pastor of the church and say, Xavier's being a jerk. Can we talk about this? And he didn't do any of that. He just, he fought fire with kindness. And you'd be shocked at what happens if instead of just arguing all the time, by the way, when no one's listening, I, I, conflict resolution is my favorite, and I feel like I'm trying to jump the gun, I'm trying to reel myself back in, right? Is that if you can decide that I'm going to be kind instead of retaliating, you'll find that your conversations go way better. I am naturally an angry person, one of my things. Naturally an angry person. A lot of life has happened, made me a very angry person. And I remember one time I was yelling about something that I was upset about, and my best friend, Deshaun, he said, Xavier, 
you are way too intelligent to have to scream to communicate your thoughts. And that was the last day I did that. Well, <laughs> it's significantly reduced, right? Significantly reduced. Because I'm human, right? So are you, right? Um, but I think that season was the season that caused me to really get a handle on my anger. Because I needed to know that I didn't have to respond in aggression. You could respond in tenderness and communicate just as, if not more, effective results. Because if you look at it, there is a, um, um, if you look at it, there is a, um, the, uh, uh, another side to this issue, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So here's some things for your handout, um, is to purpose to speak with tenderness. That's what I just spent all that time talking about, right? Purpose to speak with tenderness. One of the things, and Kalea and I are working through Rowan and her terrible twos, oh my gosh. She's giving us a run for our money. Like, it's two-on-one, and she's still winning. Like, I'm not sure how she's doing it. And there are some times where, like, I'm tempted to just, because I'm frustrated about telling her not to do whatever it is that she's doing for the 13th time, right? And there's those times where, like, I get right down to her little level, and I go, Rowan. And she's so funny. She'll go, yes, daddy. <laughs> and I'll go, are you listening? And she'll say, yes, daddy. And I've commanded her attention and her ability to do what I'm asking. Doesn't always work because she's a very strong-willed child. Pray for me, right? But worked way better than me yelling at her all the time, right? So purpose to speak with tenderness, right? Soft answers dismantle anger. That's what I was talking about with my friend Junior, right? The intern partner that I had is I was the one that was angry and all he did was come to me with a tender spirit. And even though I was in the wrong, he fought fire with kindness, and he won that fight. Completely dismantled it. You know why? Here's the truth. You know how goofy you look fighting with someone who doesn't want to fight with you? I was watching a show um, on Netflix, and uh, uh, one of the wives was talking to her girlfriend, and she was saying, I'm so frustrated with my husband. Why can't he just fight back? Why can't he just not do the right thing for once? Why can't we just duke it out, right? And it's because every time he approached her the right way, it dismantled her anger. And sometimes she just wanted to be angry, right? But you'd be shocked at what a soft answer will do. Here's the thing. Grievous words make things worse, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So I spent some time in the, in the Hebrew looking at uh, these words from Proverbs. And grievous, the root word means to carve or to fabricate or to fashion, right? To carve or to fabricate or to fashion. But even deeper, and secondly, it says to toil painfully. So hear me, watch as I build this up, right? To carve or to fabricate or to fashion and to painfully toil. There's a third definition. To be suddenly painful. So when you put all three of those definitions together, grievous words, they will carve or fabricate in a painful fashion. So if our words aren't kind, we will craft in pain sharp and painful words that hurt both of us. 
right? Because it's not just to fashion or to concoct, but to toil, right? To labor for and to do so in pain. What's the expression? Hurt people hurt people, right? Sticks and stones, that whole thing. But words will always stick with us sometimes. We got to be so careful. And what happens is how many times did you respond in anger and it went well? We're going to talk about this more in confrontation, but y'all make sure y'all are here. I'm going to tell you right now with session three, be here, right? <laughs> be here, all right? The words don't just hurt them, but they hurt you. Grievous words make things worse. And the reason why a lot of times we respond with grievous words is because we responded in anger. And being slow to wrath was, was, was not in its proper place. We were first to get angry. We were first to speak and we listened last. And then we ended up saying stuff that hurt everybody. Be careful. Fight fire with kindness. Third, let love light your words. Let love light your words. Colossians 4, 6 says this. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know that ye ought to answer every man. I'm going to read it again. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. We're going to break that down, right? What does it mean? First, your words are gracious words, meaning full of cheer. Full of cheer. My approach to it is to be full of cheer with my words. Approaching it, it's almost like a puppy, right? You notice that you can say something completely mean to your dog, but if you say it in a nice tone, they'll wag their tail still. Oh, you insulted me, but I loved it, right? Because more than what was said, it was, it was the, the cheer behind it. Now, I'm not saying be passive aggressive and say mean things in a nice way. What I am saying is if you are already predisposed to arming your words to be gracious, there is a higher chance that they'll be received well. Received well. Because if you approach Xavier Small with all that attitude, I'm gonna, it's going to be easy for me to get defensive. Right? But if we approach it with grace, gracious words, full of cheer, that's what having your words be driven by light look like. But there's another component. They're prepared words. It said, let your speech always be always with grace, seasoned with salt. They're prepared words. They're seasoned word. And it, it's, it, when you think about seasoning, like, it's not just like, you know, uh, I didn't even really season these wings at all. I just kind of like threw them on the grill with no salt, pepper, or no, you know, nothing else. And then I just kind of sprinkled some sauce on it afterwards and gave it to you. Like, once I get past the skin, your, work, your, your, your wings are nasty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, what usually happens is, especially, where my, where my chefs at? Where my chefs, where, where the grill guys at? Who's the grillers? You get that meat in the, how many days you have that meat in the fridge before the head? Uh-huh. Right. You get in there and you make you throw all the stuff. You throw the paprika in there. I came to Maryland and found out about Honey Old Bay wings. And Lord help me. <laughs> Whew! If they have it, I'm getting it every time. Right. Abby's Burger Bistro, downtown Fells Point. You'll not be disappointed. All right. Skipjacks. I see. I know all the places at. Look, if my metabolism slows down on me, I'm in trouble. All right. No, 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 no. 
but they're prepared words. Meaning like just as you put that, you season that meat, you put it in your Ziploc bag or your, or your container or whatever, you let, the, you let the sauces and the spice marinate it, so should your words be. Prepared words. How many of us are shooting from the hip with words that we haven't spent much time thinking about? And again, you're not breaking bones, but you're causing emotional scars. You're causing mental scars. Why? Because instead of preparing your speech, instead of just saying, instead of taking the time to talk about what you're upset about or talking about what you're going to say and how you're going to approach someone, you decided to be impromptu and they, were, and they ended up being grievous words. They ended up being grievous words. L words that are driven by light are prepared words. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And what the thing about preparing is it's not just a preventative, but it's also a long acting, right? Because what does the Bible say? Um, if a man, if, if you've lost your savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth, who knows it? Good for nothing, right? Salt is not just a seasoning spice, but it's a preservation spice. Back then when they didn't have no refrigerator, Right? And so they had to use it to dry out all of the moisture so that their meat could last longer. Your words that are prepared words will not only land better, but they'll go farther, last longer, have a deeper impact. Because here's the truth. Words are dichotomous. So not only will the good words last and leave an impact, but the bad ones will also. They'll remember what you said. And when they may, even if they forgave you, they'll remember what you said. You got to be careful about how you use your words. And the reason why is because they guide our speech. If love is guiding your words, they'll be gracious words. They'll be prepared words. They will guide your speech. And then this component, they should be done always. They should be done always. You know the expression, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything. Don't say anything because you can't get the words back. You can't get them back. And if you go ahead and just shoot from the hip because they're not prepared, if they're not gracious, but they're grievous, they're not gonna guide your speech. Your speech is gonna kind of meander through the atmosphere and do whatever damage it's gonna do. We're gonna talk about that here in a second. Which leads, which leads us to number four, control your tongue. Control your tongue. As, as my mama would say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Control your tongue. I love James. Someone said that James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. Five chapters of straight heat. Love it. We're going to dissect this a little bit. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Why should you control your tongue? Right? First, the tongue is little, but the effects are big. The tongue is little, but the effects are big. The Bible says, like, the bit in the horse's mouth, or the hole on the ship, right? That little bit in the horse's mouth can move that entire 1,200-pound horse, right? Um, that, that, that little hole um, on that ship can, can, can turn the entire Titanic. It's small, but it does a lot of damage. Again, whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me was a liar, 
right? Bones will heal, but some people will take your words to their grave. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Why? Because the tongue is little, but the effects are big. Second, we see the tongue inflicts great pain. Great pain. Statistically, the people who hurt you the most are the people that's closest to you. You know why? They got all the ammo. They know exactly what to say to push that button. They know exactly what is going to make you upset. They're going to bring up, yeah, well, that's why your dad doesn't. Oh, that's why you didn't get this promotion. Or now you wonder why. And it's those words that are meant to cause, they're meant to inflict pain on purpose. But you don't get to walk that back. And what you've done is you've flogged people with your words. And then you wonder why your relationships are in strain. And these are not just your romantic relationship. How are you doing with your kids? How are you doing with those estranged family members? How are you treating your neighbors? How are you treating your coworkers? How are you talking to people? That tongue will inflict great pain if you're not careful. But third, that tongue is enough to ruin everything. It's enough to ruin everything. Someone said this, that it takes 10 years to build a testimony and only 10 seconds to burn it all down. And guess what little member can burn that all the way down? Your tongue. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. Because out of your mouth should not proceed both blessings and cursings. And some of us are trying to be good, godly Christians, and we want to have victorious Christian lives, but we have, we have a tongue issue. And so we, we're just saying stuff, and you're wondering why you can't build a testimony. And so, yeah, you lashed out at your brother and sister who don't know Jesus, and now you're wondering how they're going to get saved. You've been nasty to your coworkers at work and backbiting and gossiping, and now you're wondering how you're going to be a light. You're wondering why your relationship with you, can I keep going? I mean, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. It's enough to ruin everything. And, and then lastly on this, it's, it's enough to set everything back. You want to go five steps forward in building whatever relationship that you're trying to work on? Say something that you didn't mean. Say something that you didn't mean. You just said it because you were angry or because you were hurt or because you were frustrated. And because your, your speech is not done in moderation and they're not seasoned and gracious and prepared words, you cause more damage than good. And then you're wondering why you can't repair that relationship. Now, it does take two to tango, right? So I'm not, going to, I'm not discrediting the other person's side and the other person's responsibility to respond well. What I am saying is you got to do your part. And if you're going to do your part, you have to make sure that you control that tongue. So here's a little tip for that. Number five, tailor your tongue to the truth. Say that five times. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth, right? Right? Tailor your tongue to the truth. Tailor your tongue to the truth. That's the verse I quoted a second ago. Let no corrupt communication, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So how do you do that? How do you tailor your tongue? Number one, you have to see if your conversation is corrupt. Is God being honored and glorified with what you're saying right now? Corruption, perversion, antithetical to truth, right? antithetical to honesty, antithetical to, uh, to grace, 
is your conversation corrupt, right? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. How does your conversation communicate edification? How does your conversation communicate edification? To edify means to build up. To build up. And I know I'm keep jumping ahead a little bit, but guess what? Did you know that confrontation can be built, can build you up instead of breaking things down? You know why? Because whenever we think about confrontation, does that have a positive or negative connotation? Negative, right? And guess what? So that you know what you just did? You are predisposed to thinking that confrontation is a bad thing. So whenever there's a confrontation, it's going to go left because you're expecting it to go left. But it does not have to. You know how flowers bloom? Rain. You know what makes skilled sailors? Rough and violent storms. But guess what? You don't have to have rough and violent speech in your confrontation. Brother James, I'm picking on you again. Right? If I come to you, Brother James, I say, Brother James, you're just no good. I didn't say that. Hey, look, this is... Are we going to have to have group therapy right here for the couples? You're no good. You're a terrible friend. You're dishonest. All you do is hurt people, and we're done. Don't talk to me ever again. You might sock me right in the nose. You got big hands. You might hurt me. Don't, please don't punch me. But what if I came to you and I said, Brother James, I love you so much, and I count you as a dear friend, which I really do. I count you as a dear friend. But there's some things that have happened that's really hurt me, and I would love to talk about it. Not because I just want to just fight with you, but because I want to better our relationship. Which one do you think will go? Which one do you think will go better, the first option or the second option? The second. Guess what? They're both confrontation. Bingo. They're both confrontation. But is what's leaving out of your mouth? facilitating edification because what's going to happen is that when you and I work whatever that is out we're going to be better friends right when you and your spouse work whatever this is out you'll be better you'll have a better relationship right when you and your friends and that's how it works and that's why I'm a big fan of confrontation because confrontation fixes things it's the rain for the flowers it'll bloom if you let it it'll bloom if you let it I would rather you wait. Thank you. I just don't want to get through that and then like us not finish the material. All right? Lastly, on this section, does it minister grace to the hearers? Does it minister grace to the hearers? When you're speaking to me with whatever it is that you're talking about, do I feel loved in it? Do I feel encouraged in it? Do I feel built up in it? Because whenever you're speaking with grace, the result should be edification. But what you're doing is you're tailoring your tongue to the truth. Let no corrupt communication, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Those things that are meant to hurt, to be spiteful, to cause pain, none of those things. But that which is good to the use, it's used to edify, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Minister grace to the hearers. Tailor your tongue to the truth. And if it's not the truth, stick your tongue back in your mouth. <laughs> Don't say anything. I had these two little girls that came up to me at camp and they said, 
I said something. I was, me and my buddies, we joke on each other all the, lot, all the time. And they said, is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? <laughs> Little sixth grade punks. <laughs> and I never forgot it. I never forgot it because there are some times where I can't even make it through the first thing on that list. Is it kind? Nope. Is it helpful? Nope. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. You know what the Bible says? Not all things that are lawful are expedient. What does that mean? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Time and place for everything. If we're in the middle of the family dinner, that's not the right time to tell me about myself. Time and place. Save it for later. We have to start being tactful with our words. And that wasn't just a bunch of therapy mumbo jumbo. That was the word of God. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edification, building one another up. So we're going to switch hats. Now, I didn't know what other sound effect to use. That's all I had. Sorry. Therapist hat. So now I want to do is I want to give you four quick practical things. And I'm going to tell you this, and I tell my clients this all the time, so for my clients in the room, I'm sorry that you're hearing this for the millionth time. But whenever there is infidelity or divorce or things are just really, really down in the dumps, I am willing to bet an entire year's salary. I'm not a betting man, but I'm willing to bet an entire year's salary that the initial issue with that was your communication was bad. Your communication was bad. If there was one thing that you, if you just come to this session and you never come to anything else, you got the most important thing, is if you cannot communicate both romantically and platonically, the world is your oyster for how terrible this is going to go. You have to be good communicators. Well, Pastor Xavier, how do I do that? Well, be patient. I'm about to tell you. Jeez. Pushy. Number one, learn to be a clear communicator. Learn to be a clear communicator. What does that mean? Be direct versus suggestive. In my office, I have four, three chairs and a sofa. I have the best office on property. Sorry, Pastor. My office is so cool. Right? Three chairs and a sofa. And every, my, my clients come in for the first time, I'm like, hey, sit wherever you want. And they're like, I don't really know where really to sit. I mean, you want to pick the couch, so just pick it, right? But what if I just came in and said, hey, have a seat on the sofa, right? That eliminates a bunch of weird waiting time and passive aggressive. Well, did you really want me to sit on the sofa? Did you not want to sit on the sofa? We do that all the time. As instead of just being direct with our needs, and, Freezing them out, cold shoulder. I'm giving y'all a cold shoulder right now. And you're like, what's your problem? You know what would have been easier? Would have saved you days of issue to just say, hey, you hurt me when you said X, Y, and Z. Or I'm mad at you because you did X, Y, and Z. The best way to fix it is to just call it like it is. We let things fester. You know what the Bible also says? Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. That's Bible. You know, the practical side to that is that the longer that you let things marinate, the worse they will become. Let me talk to you about your subconscious again real quick. Right now, who's present with me? Say I. Oh, y'all sleepy. 
right? And right now, all the other things in your life are in the back of your mind. What you're going to cook for dinner, what's going to happen at work tomorrow, you know what I'm saying, who you have to call after this, what Instagram post you're going to post later. All of those other things are in the back of your head, right? Because right now you're focused. But guess what? When you're asleep, your subconscious switches place with your consciousness. You following me? Which means that all the things that were tucked away into your subconscious all day now are at the forefront of your mind. So now when you're sleeping, guess what's happening? Let me say this. Anyone ever went to bed thinking about work and woke up feeling like you worked all night? You know why? Because what you went to bed thinking about is all that your subconscious rode with. So guess what happens when you go to bed being angry? Guess what happens when when you go to bed upset? Guess what happens if you don't consult your depression before you, uh, before you, you, you pillow that head is that you're going to ruminate, let that ruminate all night. And chances are you're going to wake up the next day more mad than you were when you went to bed. And you know why? Because your brain is stronger than any supercomputer. So what it's also doing is dreaming up all these different kind of like concoctions and scenarios. You woke up, I couldn't believe he did that in my dream. <laughs> I didn't even say that. You said in my dream and it was enough, right? You wake up angrier. You know what can nip that? It's to be direct. If you're hurt, say so. That's how you fix it. That's how you fix it. But not just be direct, be concise. Be concise. Stop beating around the bush. Oh my gosh, that's so frustrating. Well, you know what happened the other day is, you know, you really did this thing. And what really happened was that you were walking around here. And I couldn't believe that you really thought it was a good idea to go. Stop. Stop. Be direct on what is bothering you and then be concise. But this is not only for the problems. This is also in the good times. Whenever, you're, whenever things are, are, are happening that are positive in your life, learn. That's a great way to practice your communication for the conflict seasons is by being able to be clear and be direct in your needs and, and what's going on. You know how many times in therapy I have to help my clients decode what they're talking about? And you know why? It's because what happens in our mind is that it's really jumbled and it's kind of messy up there. And we have to kind of sift through it and throw some of this other stuff out and then, you know, put some of this stuff over here. And if we approach our situations by saying, I'm going to work toward being concise versus working on belaboring my point, that's going to help the situation. What is it that you need? What is it that you are trying to say? Just say it. Just say it. Y'all know I gotta talk about Calais and Rowan every single session. Just prepare for that, right? And I remember the first time um, that I told Kalea that I loved her, right? And it was right after a date and I was dropping her off um, back at her parents' house. Um, and I could kind of feel it like bubbling up inside me. Like I was like, now's the time, now's the time, now's the time, now's the time. Um, <laughs> and so as she was getting her out, I said, um, Kalea, I love you. You know what she did? She screamed. Ah! Right? And I was like, why are you screaming? And she screamed again. Right? And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> are you offended? <laughs> are you offended? Did I, did I just blow this? Right? Um, no. I was just direct and clear and just told her how I felt. You know, I could be like, oh, you know, me and you. I give you the world, girl, you know. <laughs> no, just say it. You know I got Riz, right, Gabe? Yeah, yeah. That's my <laughs> All right. Be concise. I'm being silly. Be direct. Be concise. All right. 
So the first most important thing I told you was that you have to be a, clear be a good communicator, right? Overall, this next thing, put a star by this, okay? The most important thing in the entire series is on this next slide. You ready? Who's ready? Become an active listener. Look at that. I love it. Become an active listener. What does it mean to become an active listener, right? Remember, James told us, let every man be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. An active listener. This is listening to understand, not to respond. If you can master this, you will be a relationship specialist. Oh my gosh. If you can master this, you will be so good at all of your relationships. If you can learn to be a good listener. You know why? Check this out. Well, wait a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. When you listen to understand, instead of listening to respond, it does several things. Number one, it validates. This is free. That's why I gave you all extra space on the bottom of your paper. It, does, it, it validates their experience, right? And it's important to, and we're going to talk more about it, so I'm not going to park here um, on session three. Um, but you validate someone's experience, they're more apt to hear you, okay? But it doesn't, when, but when you listen to respond, you miss a bunch of stuff. My clients know this as well, right? So my office is right down the hall, and usually all my clients come and meet me at that door. And I come out and I get them every single time, unless you sneak in. Don't sneak in. Wait in your car, right? <laughs> School's back. You got to have a badge, all right? And you know, and the reason why I do it, not just because I want to greet you, although I am going to greet you and I want to greet you, but the reason why I do it is because I am psychoanalyzing everything that you're giving me before you walk up and talk to me. That's why I do it. So I just, all my clients are like, I knew you were doing something fishy, right? You know why? Because what's the old expression? More is caught than taught. Your body and your disposition and what you give off say way more say way more than you think. And what's happening is that when you listen first, you will pick up on the other stuff. There are a lot of times when I've had clients in my office who are very worked up, and when I called out that they were visibly upset, they calmed way down. Didn't even realize it. You know why? Because we don't realize that we don't just communicate with our words, we're communicating with our body, we're communicating uh, with our tone, with our inflection, with our rate, all of those different components. And so when someone's talking to me and they're all just riled up and you know, you should have never did this and da 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 and I'm like, whoa, 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 are you good? Yes, why are you saying that? Because you should hear how you're talking to me right now. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't, and that's usually the response, right? I, had, I didn't realize. I didn't realize I was saying this. I didn't realize I was communicating this way. And you catch more. Now, what's important is that you got to become aware of your body language. You know why? 85% of communication is body language. 85% of communication is body language. You know what that means? that I can tell what kind of day session I'm going to have with my clients when I get them from that door based solely on their body language. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in the way that you're, head, you're hanging your head. I can see it in just the weight that you carry, what kind, of, what kind of conflict we're going to have. But that's just for me as a therapist. What is it that you're communicating to people that you're talking to in your life, your, 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 your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers? If, you, if I walk up to you to talk to you and your arms are folded, what does that communicate? Someone raise your hand and tell me. Arms folded. What does that mean to you? Oh. 
defensive. That's what I was looking for. Who said it? 20 more points to Gryffindor, right? <laughs> defensive, which automatically is going to do what? Repel me. I don't want to talk to you if I know that. This, I can tell this is going to go left already. Based on just the way that you, you got an attitude already. Your eyebrows are all furled. Your shoulders are all tense, right? Your jaws clench. You can't see my jaw because I got this little beard on, but my, I'm, trying to clench my, I'm trying to clench my jaw right now, right? And that will automatically repel people. You have to be just as aware of your own body language as you are at being aware at the body language of others. You have to be just as good. And that's what's hard. What's funny is like, so I like my therapy sessions when I'm having multiple clients at once because I'm, I got to do a lot of work. I got to do a lot of work because I'm not just listening to everything that everyone's saying, but I'm watching everything. I'm watching every, every twitch. I'm watching you, you tap your leg because you're, you're anxious. I'm watching the facial expression. I'm watching the huffs and puffs. I'm watching the eye rolls. I'm watching all that other stuff, and I'm just storing all that information. I'm like, all right, I see, I see, what you do. I see what's going on here. And it helps me to know what's happening. I can speak to that. You seem really upset. Or on the other side, there have been times where I've been able to bring it to my client's attention that, wow, you get really excited when you talk about X, Y, and Z. I didn't realize I was so passionate about it, right? Because body language, and check this out, if 85% of communication is body language, and you're bad at being aware of your own body language, and you're bad at being aware of your, of your partner, your spouse, your, your, your child, your, your coworker, your whoever's body language, guess what that means is going to happen? That's going to be a mess. That's going to be a mess, especially when we look at this next section. You have to understand everyone's communication style. You have to understand everyone's communication style. And if you can learn this, it'll really help you, to, as you as you help with the individuals. So if you know me, you know that. And we talked about this briefly um, in Mind Games. But there are four communication styles. The first one's passive, right? These are the people who are anti-conflict by any means necessary. Where are my pacifists at? I'd rather just not. I see them. I'll look at you. I can even tell you're passive. You're like, me. <laughs> right? I just, don't want, I just don't want any conflict. I'd just rather not fight. Why can't we be friends? Right? These are my passive people. Right? The next people are my passive-aggressive people. Right? Passive-aggressive people. These are the ones who, who they've gotten hurt but they don't want to fight, but it's seeping out, right? I'm not angry. Oh. <laughs> You're stomping when you walk through the house, slamming doors, right? You start nitpicking everything. Who put this blade of grass by the front door, right? You just start getting upset about everything. Who left the cupboard open? Mom, it was you. Oh, my bad. What does that communicate? I'm upset, but because of the passive side, I don't want to address it, but it's kind of seeping out a little bit. And everybody can tell you're angry except you. Well, maybe you know that you're angry, but you just don't want to admit it. But there's a third step, the aggressive people. The aggressive people. And these are the people I like to say, the ones that have had enough. The ones that have had enough. I see this a lot with my clients who've been bullied or have had difficulties with their self-esteem. All right, or difficulties with the way that they were raised and how they were spoken to, they become very no-nonsense. And these people end up being very self-destructive, right? Because they'll take everything from zero to 100. 
right? They will burn it all down before they let you feel, if they, if they even feel a little disrespected, it's just gonna, they're gonna pop their top. And it's going to be a fight immediately, right? But the truth is, the person that, you're, that this is happening with isn't really even the cause. It's our own intrinsic stuff that's going on, our own past issues, our own past traumas, a lot of these different things, and we're just we're prone to just uh, to just blow up. And so I, I call I call passive aggressive and aggressive wings W I N G S, right? Wings, and those are wings for passive people. So what you'll find is that the passive person who is naturally anti-conflict. They, you'll find out that they'll, they'll either lean over into the, the seeping out kind where they're doing the passive aggressive stuff, the stomping, the freezing out, the huff and puffs, all those different things. And then the other side of things is the aggressive side. Like no matter what happens, it's immediately a fight. It's immediately a boxing match. And if I can be clear and concise, those first three things are very unhealthy. They're unhealthy. They are unhealthy communication styles. I'm gonna tell you why. The passive people, they're prone to get walked on, right? My pacifists get walked on. People take their kindness for weakness and they walk all over you. So guess what they're gonna start doing now is they're gonna get angry. But because they don't like, to, they don't like conflict, they try to say, I'm just gonna internalize it, I'm just gonna deal with it. And they can't, so it seeps out. And eventually, the passive person who's been beat up on enough, it goes from seeping out to being downright aggressive. No one's going to treat me like this, talk to me like this ever again. And any of those three things are not going to facilitate healthy conversation, healthy communication. We should all pursue the last one, which is assertive. Assertive. Assertive is about the person who can consider their thoughts, feelings, emotions, and experiences, but then communicate objectively. Communicate effectively. That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not, right? Be angry, but what, how are you going to, how are you going to control that anger? What's that anger going to look like? And assertive people don't get hurt. Not that they don't get hurt. It's not that assertive people don't like to abstain from conflict, but I, I know that I'm one of those individuals who I was naturally a passive-aggressive person. Who's my passive-aggressives at? Yeah, I'm naturally passive-aggressive, naturally. And it's interesting, I didn't, realize it, I didn't realize it until I was done, but the three years in my counseling program before I started being a therapist caused me to do a lot of work on myself. They initially started us off by doing a wellness assessment where I had to look at myself mentally, emotionally, physically, physiologically, and spiritually, and I, I was in tears doing that assignment in tears as I realized I had a bunch of stuff to work out, which ended up pushing me to therapy, right? But now I'm able to happily pride myself on being an assertive person. Why? Because I'd rather just go ahead and work it out than to walk in conflict. Oh, you're so, you're so type A. It's like, I'd rather just fix it. I'd rather just fix it. I'm going to call you out. Are you upset with me? Did it, what did I do? How can I fix this, right? Working on doing my part. Why? Because how you communicate, check this out, how you communicate to others will create a cocktail of understanding or a cocktail of chaos. How you communicate to others will create a cocktail of understanding or one of chaos. And so here's, here's, what, here's how you work through the passive, passive, aggressive, aggressive, assertive stuff. 
is that if everyone is pursuing being able to consider all of their thoughts, all of their feelings, and all of their emotions with the intentions to communicate effectively, what you'll find is you'll move out of any of those three less happy stages and into the more assertive one. So as you work on doing what we talked about, being clear and concise in your speech, being direct in your speech, and being a good listener, being slow to ang be get angry, being slow to speak, but being quick to listen, that combination of stuff should move you toward being an assertive person. Because if you hurt my feelings, I want to tell you that you did. Not because I just want to fight you, just because the awkwardness is weird. It's way, it's, it's, it's way more heavy to carry it all day. For Some of us have been carrying it for days, for weeks, for months, for years. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired? Baby, let that go. And when I say let it go, I don't mean let it go. I mean it's time to move forward. But the way that you move forward is you got to be able to say like, I want to talk about this later on. To be, to be transparent with y'all, I have 21 topics. And I'm trying to figure out how to sort them all into eight weeks. That's, why you don't, that's the real reason you don't have an outline of what's happening. It's because I'm praying for God to, to direct this. I think I, know where I, know, I'm, I think I know where I'm going for the first four. But the next four, I'm fighting to figure out what's going to fit. Whew. They got to have me back for a second round. All right? A third round, I'm in. All right? Because I'm going to talk about emotional validation later. But if you work toward being able to be aware of how you feel, right? Aware of what's going on. And if I know that, so my wife is a very passive person, right? She's just, if you know Clay, you know she's the sweetest thing. But I know that. So what that means is that when I am the type A lion on the little thing, right, the little scale, I have to be very tactful in the way that I approach my wife. Why? Because she's not built like me. I'm built for combat, right? My wife, is, my wife needs time to process. So whenever I have to be careful about how I treat her feelings when I talk to her, when I interact with her, when I'm angry with her, right? Because her natural style, so I might have to present something to her and be like, babe, you really hurt me when you did X, Y, and Z. And just let that sit. And give her the chance to think through it and to process it and not demand answers or demand an apology or demand, but being able to allow her to let that ruminate and then her step out of that and say, okay, I'm ready to work toward a healthy conversation, a healthy conflict. The same thing is for the aggressive person. I'm not saying walk on eggshells, but you have to be very tactful. You have to be very tactful. If you're angry with me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not even going to raise my voice at you. I'm not going to fold my arms. I'm not going to cross my legs. In therapy, they teach us de-escalation training. And everything that you can do to not be aggressive, to, to stoke the fire. You keep your hands to yourself. You don't touch them, right? You don't block their way. You don't raise your voice. You don't, you don't have an argument. You diffuse. You seem like you're getting really upset. So why don't we take a minute to just table this for a minute? And we'll come back, right, once you've sorted that. That gives them a chance from operating out of that core of passivity, because that's where it's really at, right? And to be able to, 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 cult to cultivate their thoughts, and then we can have a healthy, assertive conversation which facilitates growth and positive relationship building. It seems a lot more multifaceted than it is. But if you can be clear, concise, direct, and become someone who listens to understand someone versus listening to respond, by the way, if you listen for what their experience is and what they're going through, it will yield a response for you. 
it will, it will yield a response. Oh, you're really angry. Yeah, I'm angry. Okay, can you talk to me about why you're, what happened to make you angry? Well, this, 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 what can I do to fix it? How can I make this right? And it goes from whatever that, uh, whatever that thing was to diffusing them, because a soft answer turns away wrath, right? Into now problem solving, healthy problem solving. And the rain now facilitates a beautiful blossoming flower. You can use these things to your advantage, but you have to know to, to wield the weapons that, guess what? You already have. You already have it. You just have to be able to know how to use it. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, for the finished work on the cross. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for instilling us the ability to be good communicators. I love it. I, as I'm praying now, I'm, I'm even thinking about the different ways that you've approached people in the Bible. When you came to Abel or to Cain, you said, Cain, where is your brother? You knew exactly where his brother was. But you gave him a chance to, be cl to clear, concisely, and articulate the truth. When you came and you approached Adam, you said, Adam, what did you do? Who told you that you were naked? Direct, clear, concise. Gave Adam a chance to respond well. You did the same thing for Eve. God, you are a very direct and clear on your needs for us. To love you with all our heart and soul and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. I pray that we would adopt these teachings to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, to be slow to wrath, to let no communication proceed out of our mouths, to watch our tongues because they're little members, but they're deadly poisons and they're raging fires. And that if we would be able to get a better hold on the way that we talk to each other, if 75% of issues are misunderstandings, what kind of health comes to our relationships if we can get better at the way that we talk to each other? So we're going to ask for supernatural help to do better, to be better, to be holy as you are holy. And we're going to give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen.